When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. How am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. Once upon a time, and welcome to Story Story Podcast. I am today's part-time host, Simon Brooks, and I have some great stories for you on this episode, and some great storytellers. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away, and bring you back safely. I had heard of this part of the Breckens in Wales where there was a forest. There was supposed to be a castle there of some sort, old ruins, arched windows, gargoyles and the like. This was a long time ago, way before I moved to the States. I had a camera bag which doubled as a backpack of sorts, although it was a shoulder bag. It had my ancient Pentax Spotmatic, a handful of lenses, a notepad, a sandwich and a thermos flask full of coffee. Although I prefer tea, by the end of the day, tea tastes really bad in a thermos. I do not recommend it. I packed up and got ready to go and jumped in my red 1968 VW Bug and headed towards the Breckens. It had been raining a lot the night before, the sound of which had lulled me to sleep. As it was summer, the heat from the road rose up a mist, a fog that seemed to get deeper the closer I got to the forest. Arriving, I turned off the engine, and my ears relaxed. They are not quiet cars, at least mine wasn't. Off in the distance, I could hear thunder rolling slowly, deeply complaining. Shouldering the camera bag, I remember thinking that it seemed like the storm of last night was remembering itself. The ground was soft underfoot, hardly a sound was made. As I walked through the aspens, the sweet smell of the forest rose to meet my nose. The birds called out from sparrows to noisy magpies. I headed deeper into the woods. Finding a stream, I began to follow it, still shrouded in the mist. The rain had made everything soft underfoot. The leaves made no sound where I stepped, and even the twigs seemed to bend and not break. I felt like a ninja and wondered what birds and animals I might see. I heard a splash in the stream and another. I turned my head slowly and saw a couple of otters playing in the water. It seemed they were pretending to fish until the larger of the two grabbed hold of a fish in the shallows of the stream and bit off its head. That was breakfast, I suppose. Now the other one was more intent on food. I sat and watched this and very slowly and carefully tried to open my camera bag without making a sound. I really wanted to capture some of this on film. This is a long time ago. Digital photography had not yet been invented by quite a few years. The bag opened and I pulled out the camera. I had to unscrew. It wasn't a bayonet fit. It was a screw thread lens, the wide angle lens that usually sat on my camera. And then I had to pull out the long lens and screw that back on. Just as I got the camera sorted and was bringing it up to my face, the first otter caught a second fish and threw it up onto the bank. I thought this was very odd. Why didn't it eat the fish? Then I saw why. 
Our first storyteller lives up in Maine on a farm with goats and chickens, ducks, a horse and a barn cat. She lives the life of a storyteller of yore, maybe. That means a long time ago. Not maybe, but yore. Spelt Y-O-R-E. You have heard her before here on Story Story Podcast, and as before, she will also be playing the bagpipes, the Highland pipes, the only thing missing from my own story that I was just telling you. This is a fabulous story of love, loss, and the kind folk. Please give it up for Jennifer Armstrong and the Piper of Kiel. Live the host of the air, where flaming tapers give light, where fountains of water flow deep and cold, and jewels bloom flower bright, where a thousand fairy fiddlers draw their bows across silver strings, and the hall is filled with the fairy pipes that shake the earth as they sing. The dance is led by the fairy queen of all that host most fair. She dances the heartbeat of the earth, and her feet are as light as the air. Proud and wild the dance goes on in that immortal land, where fairy blood burns cold as stone, and magic grips every hand. Now it is said that in rocky cliffs that rise along the coast, Paths that begin in cave mouths grim lead down to that fairy host. One cave opens like a mouth in pain, spits rocks like broken teeth, and the dying wind moans and sighs as it trembles the barren heath. It was here the piper of keel marched down and so boldly entered in. It was here the piper of keel marched down and was never seen again. Ian McGraw had a daughter as fair and as fine as a summer night, with eyes that shone in a clear, kind face and a mouth that laughed with delight. The piper of keel loved her with a love no heart has ever known, and his music was filled with passion and joy and longing to make her his own. And so he piped from village to town, his pipes held close by his side. And always his music was full of his dream of when he would make her his bride. The fame of his piping spread over the land. All wanted the piper of keel. No wedding, party, or fair was complete till he'd played the jig and the reel. Ian McGraw sent out the word his daughter was soon to be wed, and the couple desired the Piper of Keel to lead them to the marriage bed. The Piper of Keel, when he heard this news, stood heavy and still as stone, and the music he drew from his pipes that day froze listeners down to the bone. 
oh yes, he came to the wedding feast, his bagpipes pressed to his heart, his heart that was empty of all but despair from his love forever to part. As he stood and gazed at the beautiful bride, he cried, I should have been that man, standing beside her joyful and proud and holding her slender hand. His voice rose over the merry throng, a gift for the couple there, a tune more lovely than any played, even by the host of the air. The crowd fell silent and stood in fear that the piper would make such a boast. Why, even the piper of Keel must know he was no match for the fairy host. Cried Ian McGraw, take back those words, for the fairies you never can best. They can charm the fish right out of the sea and the birds from out their nest. But the piper of Keel threw back his head and laughed in despair and grief. My tune will steal the joy from your hearts like a dark and hooded thief. I can march down to that cave in the cliffs and I can go right in. I'll play my tune between the worlds. Then I'll march out again. No sound came from the friends gathered there, no whisper nor rustled shawl. Oh, that the piper of Keel had known, even so in the fairy hall. The queen of fairies stopped the dance and the music died away. So the piper of Keel would give us a tune. I think we shall let him play. The laughter that ran through that eldritch hall spat and rang like fire. It would shrivel and curl the flesh from your bones as that sound like flames rose higher. But the piper of Keel tucked the bag neath his arm and blew with all his breath. And the wedding party followed him, quiet and still as death. The tune rolled out like mist on the moor, lonely, haunting, and drear. All hearts that battled against that sound were overcome with fear. Like weary birds in a raging storm, struggling to reach their nest, battered, bruised, and bleeding, hearts lay broken in every breast. Steadily down to that mouth in the ground, the piper of Keel made his way, and they watched as he boldly strode inside and was swallowed by stone and by clay. The piping went on, a low, steady moan, then stopped in a ghastly shriek. Fairy laughter seeped up through the ground as horror stained every cheek. In grim, slow motion, limbs heavy as stone, all struggled towards home and light. It was many a day before any would brave being out alone at night. Ian McGraw kept watch by his daughter, who lay pale and cold as death. And in the sad and dismal dawn he saw she lay without breath. This should have been her wedding night, filled with the promise of life. Instead the earth is her bridal bed, and death has claimed a wife. Every year on that fateful day, the tune is heard once more. From the anguished mouth of the cave, it rolls like fog rolling over the shore. And woe to any young maiden fair who hears the tune from that cave, 
for she will lie on no wedding sheets but the winding sheets of her grave. Oh, don't go near that desolate place. Be not ashamed of your fear. Even a fox chased by packs of hounds to save itself won't go near, but turns and races back towards death in the hungry teeth of the hounds. Better to die in that brightening air than approach those haunted grounds. Deep in the earth live the host of the air, where flaming tapers give light, where the piper of keel lives an endless death, where for him it is always night. Down dark and twisted paths he roams, lost and all alone, his pipes silent but for one day each year, when he plays his wedding song. Today's fairy tale sponsor is Rapunzel's Retreat and Healing Centre, located far, far away in the secluded part of the never-ending forest, just outside of the Black Forest. You will find classes of all sorts of healing processes. Workshops are presented in the Great Hall, a comfortable, spacious and warm room with two great fireplaces, beautiful tapestries and padded benches. Fresh quills provided by Mother Goose, ink from Ursula and parchment from Ent Recoverable Resources lets you know that this is a renewable source certified centre. Personal cells contain all your needs for sleeping and meditation. All evening meals provide lactose, gluten-free, vegetarian and vegan options. Please tell us your dietary requirements. Oh, we know you vegans will. <laughs> If you need more space or plan on bringing your family for outdoor activities and ventures, Rapunzel's Retreat and Healing Centre has large suites, each with their own garderobes, stone basin, chamber pots and heating pans if you like a nice warm bed. When it comes to healing centres, this is one of the best. Herbs, roots, polstices, incantations, meditation, meridian points, potions and magical tears are not just covered in Rapunzel's workshops, but taught in depth. Leave fully qualified, not just in the craft of healing, but also come away with great business acumen, so that Prince John and the Sheriff of Nottingham can take no more than their due. Call now for your reservation, 1987 Longhair. A big shout out to all of you who have become patrons over the years, but this week, a very special shout-out to Alan DeBay. <sighs> the crowd goes crazy. Alan DeBay, Alan DeBay, Alan DeBay, Alan DeBay. I really hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Thanks, Alan, for joining the ever-expanding gang who support this great podcast. Whoop, whoop.
The otter threw the fish to a short, long-limbed creature with pointed ears. It stood on two legs, skinny little things, slender arms and hands with long fingers which wrapped around the fish it had been thrown. It sniffed the fish and poked it. It began to tear some of the flesh off and tried a piece. The tips of the elongated ears bent down, flapped down, almost folding in half, and the face puckered like yours or mine might if we had just sucked on a lemon. I had to take a photograph, but my sudden movement caught the attention of both the standing two-legged creature and the otters. The otters dove into the water and swam off, heads popping up to chatter at me like a jay, and the creature shot up a tree into the branches and missed and vanished. The stream was so beautiful, so I did take a photograph of that, and there were no lamenting bagpipes. What was gone was gone. I did find the ruins of the castle. It wasn't really a castle, it was just an old house. But it was pretty cool to wander in and out these door frames and peer out through broken windows. I love those kinds of things. It might have been worse, like I said. I might never have seen those wonderful creatures. I might never have found that castle. I first met John Pacino at a storytelling conference called Sharing the Fire in New England. I go there most years, and over the years we have become, if not friends, then very good acquaintances. He's a great storyteller and workshop leader. His energy is wonderful and contagious. Today, John is telling a story about Yasha, who can't, maybe in this Covid time, find peace and quiet at home. I really wish you could see John perform this story. His body language is a delight. John Pacino. And it could always get worse. Yasha. Yasha, he lived in a tiny one-room house with his wife, Eva and their seven children. They cooked on a small wood stove in one corner. They ate on a rickety old table in another corner. In the third corner was a rope bed, not too big, not too small. But seven children slept there. And in the fourth corner was Yasha and Eva's tiny bed, covered with a patchwork quilt. Now in the summertime, when the warm sun shined and the last rays of light fell below the horizon well into the evening, things were fine for Yasha, for his children would be outside playing till the last twinkle of daylight. And when he came home from work, he could sit in his rocking chair in the middle of the room, rocking back and forth, thinking quiet and peaceful thoughts. But in the winter, oi, in the winter, when the cold north wind blew about his doorway and the last rays of light seemed to follow him home from a hard day's work, things were not so good for Yasha, for he would sit in his rocking chair in the middle of the room and his children would be racing about the tiny cottage, playing and laughing, 
arguing and yelling, wrestling and shouting, and the little baby seemed to always be shrieking. Now one evening, Yasha could stand it no longer, and he stood up right in the middle of the room, and he yelled, Too much noise, noise, noise. Always some noise, 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 shouts and cries and whines. It's driving me out of my mind, my mind. It's driving me out of my mind. Then Yasha, he put on his old wool coat and his furry hat, his boots and his mittens, and he stamped out the door. Quickly he made his way through the village to the home of the rabbi. And on arriving, he knocked on the door. When the rabbi answered, he looked at Yasha and he said, Yasha, what brings you here on this dark, chilly night? Rabbi, said Yasha, I have a very bad problem. I've come to ask for your help. So the rabbi, he sat Yasha down. He poured him a nice hot cup of tea and said, Yasha, Tell me now, what is your problem? Rabbi, said Yasha, I have not a moment's peace in my house. My children are always racing about the house, playing and arguing. My baby seems to cry and cry and cry. And Eva, my wife, she's always yelling at somebody. There's too much noise. I can't go on like this, Rabbi. I can't go on. Well... The rabbi smiled a wise and understanding smile, and he said, Yasha, Yasha, it could always be worse. Believe me, it could be much worse. Now, Yasha, tell me, have you any uh, chickens? Yes, said Yasha, I have a few chickens. What of them, Rabbi? Good, said the Rabbi. Go home, Yasha. Take the chickens into your house. Go on. Well, Yasha, he was a bit surprised at this request. But the Rabbi was a wise man. And so Yasha went home. He took the chickens into his house. And he sat down expecting it to be much better. But it wasn't. It was much worse. His children were still racing about the house, still screaming and laughing. His baby was still crying. And now, now the chickens were... Bark, 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 everywhere they were clucking. Bark, 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 bark. Well, Yasha, he put up with it for a day. Two days. Five days. For he thought the rabbi must have some reason for bringing chickens into the house. But one night, when the chickens were clucking particularly loud, bark, 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 he sat down to eat some soup, and he got chicken feathers in his mouth. He could stand it no longer. Too much noise, noise, noise. Always some noise, noise, noise. Noise, 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 noise. Clucks and cries and whines. It's driving me out of my mind, my mind. It's driving me out of my mind. And he threw on his coat, his hat, his boots. He rushed across the village to the home of the rabbi and banged on the door. 
Well, the rabbi answered, and he said, Yeah, sure. You don't look very well. Come in. Sit down. And the rabbi, he poured the asha a nice cup of tea. Rabbi, Rabbi, said Joshua, it's not better, it's worse, it's much worse. Now, on top of my children, my baby, all night long I have to listen to the chickens. Bark, 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 bark. It's terrible, Rabbi, you must do something, help me, eh? Well, the rabbi said, I'm sorry to hear this, Yasha, but Yasha, Yasha, it could always be worse. Now, Yasha, tell me, tell me, my good friend, have you a goat? Well, yes, yes, said Yasha. I have an old goat. She's not much good, but still a goat. What? What a rabbi. Good. Very good indeed, said the rabbi. Go home, Yasha. Take your goat and bring her into the house. Now, as you could imagine, Yasha was reluctant to do this thing, but the rabbi was very wise. Very wise indeed. So Yasha went home, he got his old stubborn goat, and pulled her into his house. <laughs> and he sat down in his nice rocking chair, and you would not believe what he heard. The children were still racing around laughing and arguing a tiny bit. The baby was still crying a little, maybe. And on top of it all, the chickens were still clucking like this was their home, and the goat was bleeding. The noise was worse, not better, and Yasha thought, what reason could the rabbi have for this? There must be some reason. So he put up with it for a night, but when he came home the next evening... And still the goat and chicken were singing. He cried out, Too much noise, noise, noise. Always some noise, noise, noise. Noise, 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 noise. Bolits and crocks and whines. It's driving me out of my mind, my mind. It's driving me out of my mind. And he ran out of the house, forgetting his coat and his hat. Only his boots on to keep his feet warm. And across the village he rushed, and he burst through the rabbi's door, and he said, Rabbi, it's not getting better. It's worse, far worse. Rabbi, my children, the baby, the chickens, bark, 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 bark. and now the goat, Rabbi, the goat, meh, meh, it's butting the children, eating the quilt off my bed, and bleating, meh, meh, singing all night long to the moon, she thinks she's singing me lullabies, Rabbi. Rabbi, listen. I can't get a moment's peace, Rabbi. It couldn't be worse. Yasha. Sit down, said the Rabbi. Sit down. Go on. And he poured Yasha a nice hot cup of tea. And he said, this is not good, Yasha. 
this is not good at all. But, Yasha. Yasha. It could always be worse. Now, Yasha. Yasha, Yasha, tell me. Have you maybe a cow? Yes, Rabbi, I have a cow, but please, Rabbi, not that, please, Rabbi. If you want me to help you, you must do as I say, said the Rabbi. Go home, Yasha, take your cow and bring her into your house. Well, what could Yasha do? He trudged back home through the snow. He took the cow and he pushed her into his house. And now, you're right. It wasn't any better. As a matter of fact, it was much worse. Much, much worse. The chickens were clucking. The goat. And now, the cow. At the top of her lungs. Well, poor Yasha. For a whole hour he put up with it. But but it was just too much. And he moaned. Too much noise, noise, noise. Always some noise, noise, noise. Noise, 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 noise. Moves and bleats and whines. It's driving me out of my mind. My mind is driving me out of my mind. And Yasha, he stumbled across the village, forgetting his coat, his hat, his boots, and he fell through the door of the rabbi's home. Well, the rabbi, he picked up Yasha with his gentle hand. And he sat him down, and he poured him a nice hot cup of tea. Yasha, what has happened to you, Yasha? What has happened there? Rabbi, he said. Rabbi, oh, it couldn't be worse. I feel as if I've died and gone to hell, Rabbi. Please, you must do something Forget about my children and my babies, so they make a little noise. Now, on top of the chickens and the goat, the cow, and my wife, Eva, she thinks I've gone mad. My house smells like a barnyard, Rabbi. I cannot bear it one moment longer. Please, Rabbi, please do something. Help me, Rabbi. Well, the Rabbi... He looked at Yasha and he said, Yasha, Yasha, my friend, it could always be worse. Now, Yasha, go home, Yasha. Take the old cow out of the house. The goat and the chickens, too. Go on, go home. Well, for the first time in weeks, Yasha's tired eyes, they smiled. 
Yes, Rabbi, I'll do as you say, and up he rose, leaping across the village all the way to his little house, and he pushed the old cow out into the snow. And that stubborn goat, he pulled her out of the house with glee. And then he went in, and one by one he caught the chickens and tossed them out into the yard. Then Yasha, he came into the house and he sat down right there in the middle of the room in his nice warm rocking chair. It was so quiet. So peaceful. Only a few children running about. A little arguing here and there. Nothing much to speak of. And the sweet little snivel of his very own baby. And that night, that night when the children went to bed, Yasha held Eva in his arms. And he gave great thanks for all of his blessings. And you know, for the first time in years, Yasha sang the children a lullaby as they drifted off into a deep and happy sleep. you for listening to the story story podcast show the love and go and find some more of john's and jennifer's work on their websites jennifer is at jenniferarmstrong.com if you want to get her cds you can't get them at cd baby anymore because cd baby have closed their store you'll have to go directly to her which is good because it means that she'll make more money which is excellent john can be found at johnpacino.com that's j-o-h-n-p-o-r C-I-N-O dot com Both of them play their own musical instruments and both of them have works that you can find. As you might imagine, in these times of COVID-19, they are finding it hard to find an audience right now. So spend, spend, spend some cash on them. Buy directly from these wonderful storytellers. Book them for your local library or school. Well, they might be able to do virtual concerts. Who knows? Because every little bit counts. You can find Rachel Ann on the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Story Story Podcast or Rachel Ann Harding. There you will find her visual candy from the fairy tale sponsor ads and other goodies. Me, I'm on Instagram at Simon M. Brooks. The M stands for mad. And on Facebook and on my website, Simon Brooks Storyteller. 
gmail.com. Diamond Scree? Yep, that's me. The beautiful brains. The brains behind the fairy tale sponsor are mine, based on the mist rising this morning and the thunder of last night. The inspiration of the true fairy tale came from a photograph a friend and colleague of mine called Carl Goff took in Wales. He lives in Swansea, Wales. Um, so thanks for sharing that, Carl. It was an inspiration for this, this uh, story that I told earlier. Check out the ads for the fairy tale sponsors. They're a lot of fun. And let me, Anne, and Isabel know a favourite story you have heard or the favourite stories of your childhood. I've mentioned this before. I'll mention it again. If you send some of your favourite stories, maybe Rachel, Anne, Isabel, or myself could learn it and record it, especially for you. That's insane. I know. Crazy, huh? Anyway, the podcast is made possible by patrons like you, by patrons like Alan. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Again, Alan, Alan, Alan. For those of you who have become a patron to Rachel Ann, thanks. You make the world a better place. If you would like to become a supporter of the podcast or discover sponsorship opportunities... You can find links on Story Story Podcast. If it isn't in the cards to support the podcast right now, no worries. It's a hard time for a lot of people. Perhaps you would be willing to go write a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you found this, which helps other story lovers find and enjoy the podcast. What will you get if you become a Patreon supporter? Head over to the website and join the mailing list for hidden goodies. A quick last-minute announcement... Rachel, Anne, Isabella and myself are taking a short break for the month of July to work on some other projects. So in that time, revisit some of your favourite episodes. And don't forget to live happily ever after. Mary-Kate opened up the door and there on the doorstep, wrapped in his own blanket, was her baby. And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music from the royal court. 